This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. I'm your host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, CEO and founder of Brightly, the number one destination for conscious consumers around the world. At Good Together, we value the planet over perfection and believe that you can make positive things happen for the planet every day by being a conscious consumer and an informed citizen. Listen in as I chat with various experts about living and consuming responsibly. I am so excited to welcome Tony Okamoto today uh, to the podcast. So, I mean, I feel like in general, we all know that eating, you know, more plant-based dishes is a healthy and sustainable choice, but there's also an assumption that I feel like a lot of people have, which is that it's an expensive choice that we have to make. So this week, we're really excited to really bust that myth with Tony. Uh, She's the founder of Plant-Based on a Budget. It's a website that proves that you can really save money and the planet by eating vegetables. So welcome, Tony. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, yeah. We're, we're thrilled. So I wonder if you can kind of get us started by just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit more about, um, about your website and your resource. Hi, I'm Tony. I am the founder of Plant-Based on a Budget and the Plant-Based on a Budget cookbook. And I have been active doing this work now for over a decade. I cannot believe it's been so much of my life. Amazing. But- <laughs> But what really got it started was that I am um, very passionate about plant-based living, and for a long time, I had no money. And what started this passion of mine is that I regularly heard from people that eating plant-based was too expensive, meanwhile, suffering from sometimes very severe diet-related health issues. And these people were in my own family. And so I started compiling recipes that I knew my family would like. And that's the genesis of plant-based on a budget. Wow. I mean, I just loved for me hearing that you actually, you know, you, you went through this yourself and then you also kind of tied it back to health. I mean, tell me a little bit more about that. How are you able to get your, your family members on board with this new lifestyle change? Well, for me in the first place, it was really tough because I had never made the connection between food and anything other than sustenance. It just filled up my belly. It made me have happy taste buds, but I didn't make the connection that it was good for my body or good for the planet or animals or who picked my food. Nothing like food was just something that fed me. And, uh, and so that was the first thing, making a connection and then starting to make changes in my own personal life at a very young age was hard on my family, not only because it was different, but because culturally we ate Mexican food. And when you reject your family's food, it also can be a sign of disrespect. So that was problematic for my parents up front. And they thought it was a phase and they thought, oh my gosh, how did I end up with his hippie dippy daughter? But all this time later, it's been 15 years since I became vegan and 17 years since I became vegetarian. They are supportive and loving, and although they haven't made 
huge strides, the small ones that they have made, I'm really proud of them for making because back then I would have never, ever anticipated any changes, period. And I feel like when we make choices, sometimes we want everyone to see the light, make the changes alongside us, with us at that moment, and want to shake them. But for me, it's been the long game and it's a slow and steady pace for some people, but gradual over a long period of time and continuous in the change making process. So yeah. you have to take your wins where you can get them and try <laughs> not to be too hard on people because it turns them off. Absolutely. And there, you know, there's so many things that you just said that we could dive into. But I mean, for me, we have such a, you know, when we talk to our listeners and our community, we have such a, you know, there's just such a myth about living eco-friendly, you know, living an eco-friendly lifestyle is a a change that's going to require you to quote unquote do without. And what you just said about your, your family feeling like, okay, well, if she's saying she doesn't want to eat our food, this is like a rejection of, you know, almost like our sense of self, right? Like our cultural sense of self. And that to me is so important and, and important for people to hear. People to hear. It, I think it helps speak to the psychology around why it can be difficult for people to make these changes. I've made a lot of the, th- the mistakes that I say don't do. So I, oh, I, I speak from personal experience. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've found that just doing my like doing me, working on myself, uh, making changes that I feel are good for me and my immediate family inspires those around me to also make changes. It's not the direct, hey, you need to be doing this or you're X, Y, Z because you aren't living a certain way um, or you care less or whatever. It's not that aggressive tone in my life that has made the most impactful change in an inspiring people. It's modeling healthy living, compassionate living, um, thoughtful, conscious living, and allowing people to approach me and to to think of me as a resource that has shifted hearts and minds um, over my 17 years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we always say, um, you know, one of the big reasons why we started this podcast and started Brightly was that we we felt the same way. We felt like too many people were, you know, who had decided they wanted to be more sustainable were met with all of these sort of like negative assumptions or like, um, you know, negative things. And the best way to really bring people on these journeys, just like you said, is to is to inspire, basically, right? Instead of hitting people over the head with things. And actually, um, that kind of leads me into you know, a question that I wanted to ask you, because we've actually had, you know, a few folks on the podcast talking about plant-based eating. We've had, um, you know, we've done a lot of content around this, but one thing that we really haven't, I don't feel like done a a good enough job in terms of surfacing, um, you know, better information to our audience is thinking about plant-based eating from a budgetary perspective. And so that's why I thought was so interesting. I really wanted to talk with you. And so, you know, we, um, you know, we, we, Listeners know I love a good statistic, and you know, according to um, the USDA, uh, American households spend 11% of their income on food, and uh, lower income households are are spending even a larger portion of their income annually. And so, you know, when we we can't talk about food without talking about the accessibility and affordability angle here. So, what inspired you to like take this angle when you wanted to set out and create content about plant based eating? 
It was mostly out of necessity. I was on a tight budget and I faced, I have faced over a long period of time, the many obstacles that other Americans face. I have been without a car. I have lived under the poverty line. I have um, had the tiniest kitchen with no proper cookware. And so the realities are very real. The obstacles are very real. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't do them. And because I have lived a similar experience, I started taking the things that I have learned from that and applying them to plant-based on a budget. And I feel like it resonated with my audience because it wasn't something that I was just talking about. It was also something that I was living through alongside them. And um, between my experience and polling my audience, survey, surveying them, hearing what they wanted, I was able to create other resources to show how to do it practically and on a budget. And if you don't have a lot of time and have multiple kids and have all of these other big things happening in your life, uh, that you still can do it and that health is a priority and living kindly and compassionately and sustainably is also important. So um, through all of that, I learned that recipes are not the only thing that people wanted. Some people come to me with very little cooking skills and don't know how to use the same ingredients throughout multiple meals. So yes. they would find three recipes for pasta, a veggie soup, and um, we'll say a stir fry, but not know how to use those same ingredients throughout all three of them and buy three separate ingredients worth of food. And so when I was hearing that, I decided, okay, you know what? I need to learn how to meal plan on a very tight budget. So I looked up the SNAP benefits and made sure I was alongside those uh, guidelines or their, their outline which was at the time $180 per person if you receive maximum benefits. And I decided at that time, my meal plan would be $100 per month, $25 per week, $1.20 per meal. And since then, I've raised it for inflation, but still it's at $35 a week using that same original meal plan that I created, which mostly revolves around whole foods and cooking from scratch, which is something that a lot of people don't do. And back to your statistic that you that you gave earlier on, um, what is making some of the grocery bills so high is relying on that frozen food, that canned food, yep. and uh, not getting multiple meals out of them. Yep. No, I, I totally agree. And I love, we, we, we talk a lot about food waste and, you know, how to cut back on that. And meal planning is such a big part of it, but it's hard. Like it's so hard to do it, whether we're thinking about it from, you know, just the time required or you're right from a budgetary perspective. So I love that you, you set about doing it this way and that you also are operating within guidelines that are needed by, you know, a big slice of, of folks in this country and around the world. So I, I just want to commend you for that because I feel like most people probably just would have 
I mean, first of all, they wouldn't be thinking about this way. And then they also probably would have just taken a guess, you know, like, oh, well, here's what I spend on food, you know, every every month, every week. Um, and, and you really like d- did it from a data uh, focused perspective. So, so that, that's amazing. And, you know, so, so you by nature are kind of actively every week, right. Myth busting this myth about, you know, is plant-based eating only, um, it, you know, for people that can afford to buy a ton of, you know, spend a ton of money on food or, you know, can plant-based eating actually be more affordable? Um, and, you know, because I'm here with the statistics, I'll just throw one more in. I think I'll probably be done after this one. Don't worry, folks. But we we found this really interesting uh, study from the University of Oxford that was completed in 2021. And there were researchers who actually went out and compared seven sustainable diets, quote unquote, to average diets across the world. and <clears throat> You know, the, the study also had the same uh, myth that it was trying to disprove, which was like, you know, plant-based diets are thought to be more expensive, but it's really not the case. And so what the study found was that vegan diets actually cost up to, you know, roughly 30% less than the average diet, closely followed by vegetarian diets um, when you start to compare them to, you know, more like flexitarian or, you know, flexible-based diets. So, um, you know... Speaking about like, you know, the affordability angle and stuff, I want to get into what you just kind of ended with, which is reliance on packaged foods. Like, let's talk a little bit more about that and maybe how, um, you know, what you mentioned earlier about cooking skills, um, you know, maybe that is actually a sort of a hidden, I don't know, um, cause of, of some of these symptoms that we're seeing, right? It's so fascinating. Yes. I remember chatting with a friend of mine and it's, it's hard as part of my job to keep a very even kill tone and fa- facial expressions and not to over exaggerate when I hear that people don't know how to chop an onion or when the last time they use their stove was or anything like that. Because to me, it's part of my everyday life. And a lot of people in my life, they cook from scratch. Uh, but there are vast amount of people who don't, who rely on packaged foods, who don't use their stoves or ovens or have proper pots. And uh, and so, so many people who come to plant-based on a budget are starting from scratch and I need to teach them, what does mincing mean? What is chopping? Is frozen corn plant-based? Is a can of peas plant-based? Like the questions that I have sometimes are are starting from the very, very basic levels. And I feel like there's such a disservice in our country to not teach uh, nutrition information in schools because it it leads to pretty pretty severe health consequences later down the line. Absolutely. You're right. I mean, I think some of us had home ec, but I mean, what was that doing, right? Like, I don't think they taught us anything remotely useful from that perspective. And I feel like just what you just said, I mean, the 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 lack of access to healthier foods, whether we're talking about affordability or even just the ability to cook uh, on our own, like is absolutely you know, contributing to, you know, negative health implications, um, you know, in our population and also just, you know, negative implications for waste in general. There's so many, so many different kind of downstream impacts here. So as we think about like, you know, giving people like actionable tips to go on, I mean, you talked a little bit about like brushing up on your um, sort of basic 
cooking um, related uh, activities. But what are some other ways that I feel like people can, you know, start to get into a better groove about saving money while also making more plant based related uh, options? Well, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I will say that it requires some planning and it doesn't have to be extensive planning. There are many, many, many ways to go about um, planning for your week or your month. Some people free do freezer meals. Some people just cook a batch of rice and a, have some canned beans and some frozen vegetables to thaw out. And that's a style. Uh, whereas some people have whole color-coded um, spreadsheets yeah. and <laughs> the whole works. Uh, I'm, I'm more of the cook a couple things for the week and then throw it together on a weeknight. And that's my style. But starting from a plan is going to help you make it a sustainable process that you can take on years to come and getting into the habit of having things when you're really hungry so that you don't accidentally make a pit stop because you just can't make it home and you're overwhelmed from your work day. Uh, it really saves you to have that rice and beans or that pasta cooked up in your refrigerator and um, prevents you from making impulsive purchases, not only out, but at the grocery store as well. Yeah. And the other thing I was going to ask you, because I'm curious about this. So, okay. I'm familiar with meal planning from, okay, I'm going to, you know, maybe lay out what I want to do all week. I'm going to make sure I've got the right ingredients, but I'm actually one of those types of people who I don't think I do a good job. And like, I guess it sounds like you're you're recommending some some pre-cooking or pre-prepping. I'm more like, hey, my version of prepping is I got everything ready. And then I kind of exhaust myself if we're completely honest, like having to cook all of these things from like square one. Um, so tell me a little bit more about the the concept of, yeah, maybe like pre-cooking pasta or whatever. Like what, what are some like kind of quick wins that people can do? Okay. This is a little bit different. I'm going to give a different one and then I'll go back to my standard ones. But I was just thinking about this recently because it's something that I used to do a lot and it was meal swapping. So if you work at an office or if you have some neighbors or a family member and you can do a double batch of something and have that as leftovers um, and then also give the second, we'll say casserole dish to your friend at work, your coworker and have them cook a different recipe and then swap that with you, say a different casserole. Now you're not eating the same thing and you have all this food for the week, the entire week. So when I'm talking about leftovers, I'm thinking about whole meals that you've already prepared, like your pasta from last night and, uh, and your brown rice that you cooked double of because last night you made a stir fry with the brown rice and you didn't eat it all. And so now tonight you can use it in a burrito that you throw in some canned beans and some vegetables in. Yes. I love that idea. And I've never thought about that. We talk a lot about like clothing swapping and going to buy nothing groups, but I've never really thought about it, um, you know, by to think about uh, meal swapping like that. And so you said you used to do that. How did you do that? I did it a little bit differently where I invited my friends. Uh, so I started cook, learning how to cook when I was in my early 20s. And I invited my friends over for quality time. And we would cook together really huge batches. And we would split the ingredients. None of us had a lot of money. And we would divvy up the ingredients. So everyone was spending like 
eight bucks or five bucks and making a huge batch of chili, bringing our Tupperware and then all taking it home for the week. And it was one quality time with your friends Two, my love language is sharing food. So it was good for my, good for my heart. And then three, you had all of this nourishing food at your, in your refrigerator waiting for you after a long day of work and school. Oh, that's amazing. And you know, I, um, so I did something, it was, of course it was during the pandemic a little bit more, um, you know, insular, but I also did, um, I, I just want to share this story because listeners, um, you know, what Tony's talking about and the story I'm just going to share, it, it might just sound a little bit different, right? Like you probably haven't done something like this. So you might be listening to us and be like, okay, well, that's great, but that doesn't really sound like something that I've done. I actually, um, right before I had my first child, she's about to be a year, we're excited, but right before I had her, you know, people were like just stressing me out about meal planning and meal prepping. And I, uh, my husband and I live away from our, um, you know, our families that we grew up with. And so we're kind of out on our own here in Seattle. So then I was stressing out even more like, oh man, everybody's saying I'm not going to you know, have any energy or be, you know, even able to walk around for a while. So like I started to get really stressed. And so I found a, um, it's almost like a protocol where you can make a bunch of freezer meals, like you were just talking about. And a lot of them were plant focused. And so I just went, I, they even had, this thing was so easy. They literally had this massive grocery list for you to use and you go out, um, you buy the ingredients. A lot of the ingredients are used across recipes. So like you were talking about earlier and then, yeah, I just, my husband and I, we spent a good, it was, took a while. We took a good afternoon and chopped our hearts out. We did all this prep and we, um, froze everything in raw, um, like more uh, not not cooked uh, states. So basically, all we had to do these were mostly focused on instant pot meals. All we had to do was just kind of tip them into the instant pot, um, fully frozen, and press go. And then we had meals just whenever we needed them. And so I I tell that story because you can do it. You even if you don't have a big group of friends, you can do this on your own. And there is nothing like what Tony is talking about. Like nothing like being hungry, being exhausted, thinking I can't even lift a finger. I, I, I'm so tired. I can't do it. And then having that food ready for you, it's just like the best feeling. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. yes. Also, you just mentioned something that I know not everyone can afford, but if you can, highly recommended the Instant Pot. It has revolutionized my style of cooking and it has made it so that I focus more on whole grains and legumes far more than I used to because you can instantly, I feel like it's, it's before you know it, snap of the fingers, you have quinoa in five minutes, you have beans from, from scratch, dried beans in one hour, instead of having to soak them and cook them and baby them on the stove, like really pay attention. You can go walk your dog. You can go play with your kid and come back to a nourishing, comforting pot of soup or whatever. It's, it's fantastic. And also now that the instant pot has been out for a little while and newer models have come out, you can sometimes find them on Craigslist. You can do an ISO and buy nothing groups. Uh, you can find them. I got mine on Amazon, but it was, um, returned with an open box. Yeah. yeah, Open box. And it had a really big dent in it. So it was $30 off. And, uh, so there are ways 
to find them more affordable and used. Yeah, no, totally. And I was just about to suggest buy nothing because I think I saw one come up in our local group recently. So yeah, I mean, I think totally agree. If you can figure out a way to get your hands on an Instafa, that's cool. I also know of a, um, I talked to some girls once who they share it, like uh, they're like friends and they, every day like trade off who gets it. <laughs> it's like, it's your week with the Instapot. It's like, it's so funny. But um, no, I, I, I think an Instapot is, is just such a really good idea. So um, I know you had a few other tips that you wanted to share with our audience um, in addition to meal planning. So I know we just went on a total meal planning path, but what are maybe some other um, budget conscious tips you can give our listeners, um, when it comes to, you know, plant focused eating. I think a lot of, for me personally, the, the biggest budget things happen at the grocery store and that's being disciplined, not going hungry, uh, coming with a plan, making sure you stick to the plan and don't get caught up by flashy, branding or new products, like really stay focused. Sometimes I will only bring cash for what I think I need and not allow myself to go over. So not have my credit card available or my debit card and stick to my budget. And if that means putting something back in the grocery line, so be it. Uh, The other things are when you're at the grocery store, think of it as this huge marketing opportunity for every brand in the store. And sometimes products seem like a good deal, but that doesn't mean that they are a good deal. So you'll walk in and you'll see this Hunt's tomato sauce, for example, and you'll think, oh, this is only 88 cents. That's a great deal. But then if you actually go to the aisle and you look all around the tomato sauce aisle, not just at eye level, because that could be paid placement too. Look below that, maybe maybe check the store brand, look for price per ounce, and make sure you're getting the good deal because paid placement is so huge in grocery stores. And you think you're getting a good deal because it says sale in bright yellow letters, but it's not. That I mean, that's such a huge tip. I've never thought about it like that, but you're totally right. Um, there's paid placement all over the place. So making sure that you're yeah, just being, you know, smart and, you know, not falling into those traps is amazing. And actually on the topic of sales, um, you know, what do you, what are you thinking about like coupons and like, you know, do you encourage people to use those? I mean, I know oftentimes my, my, my gripe with coupons traditionally has been, I, I personally feel like they've been, um, they can be focused more on the processed type stuff, but let, let's talk about coupons. Yes. Yeah, so, I remember when I was little, my mom used coupons and it was so embarrassing. She'd come with a big accordion folder and everything was like, everything had a tab for which store and what things and all. It was just very organized and it would take forever for her to rifle through her, her folder. And that's not a thing anymore. Uh, Thank goodness, because most of the coupons are on apps and sometimes you can scan your app and get a credit. Sometimes you can scan your app. And if you're spending $100, like at our local grocery store, if you spend $100 this week only or $50 this week only, you can save $5 or $10. And that is a huge thing. So it doesn't even matter what you're buying if you're spending a certain amount. And often if you're feeding a family, you're reaching their their $50 max. Um, or, and getting that $5 off. And so those coupons are great and you have to have their app. Uh, so 
recommend that. And also if you can subscribe to their newsletter and you can create this spam email that's like uh, Laura's coupons at gmail.com, for example, and then have all your coupons go there uh, or all your your grocery e-newsletters go there. And it tells you all the time these exclusive to newsletter coupons get sent there and you can have them. You just scan your your phone from your email and get that coupon. And that could be $10 off, $5 off. Oh, that's awesome. And then I feel like coupons are a little bit of what you were saying earlier. There's a specific type of food. Um, however, they also can trick you into buying things you don't need with a good deal. Uh, like you don't need this, we'll say ketchup, but it's 50% off. So mm, I could need ketchup later and then you buy it and you didn't need it. And uh, so you don't want to fall into those traps. Um, only use coupons if you were planning, if it was on your meal plan, meal plan first, then check the coupons. Uh, the other part of it is bay apps that are very similar and you can Google search rebate apps. There are many. You can have an extension on your browser if you do online grocery shopping and they give you money back. So some stores have 10% back in cash or 5% or 1% and whatever percentage it is, I want it back. So I have um, yeah. all of the coupon apps. Yeah, no, I love that. And like, you know, there, there's always going to be a way to, you know, utilize those types of things to save money. So I love that, that idea. Um, and then I think the last, I guess the last tip that we had written down in our show notes, but like one that I don't think we've touched on, but we get asked this one all the time, which is like, how does like shopping in bulk help people on budgets in addition to, you know, being awesome because it can help cut down on like packaging waste? I have a very different perspective about bulk buying because okay. for a long yeah. time I was a single person. And even when it was even even when I was feeding another person, like just me and my husband, um, I don't need a lot. I just need what we are going to make for the week or the month. And sometimes if you go to a big box store and you get the big jumbo pack, it sits forever. So what I appreciate about bulk bins is that it allows you to buy only what you need. And for a long time, when I was in a very seriously tight budget, I would bring my measuring cups. And especially now that most of the bulk bins are downpour, you can measure out what you need. You can just put your measuring cup on the bottom of your, your bag, your reusable bag. And measure the amount of brown rice or quinoa that you're going to use for that week and not deal with the rest of it. You don't have to buy the five pound pack of quinoa and only use what you need. So it cuts down your storage of the product, your cost of the product, and it prevents the product from sitting for too long in your pantry. Yep. No, I love that. I'm so guilty of this. We, my husband and I are big Costco fans and it's, it's the two of us. Now we have our, our daughter, but like, you know, she's, she's young, she's not eating a ton of food yet. And so, yeah, I mean, we, unfortunately, 
I think we have too much stuff in our pantry. And so, you know, another tip that I always tell people is just making sure you're taking regular inventory of your pantry and actually like knowing what you have, because, you know, sometimes we, we, we throw stuff in, in dark bins or something we forget. So making sure that you kind of have a little, a pulse on what you've got is also really important. Um, I mean, Tony, I cannot believe we're like literally already almost at time. I feel like you and I could talk about this forever. I know. know. We'll we'll, we'll have you back. Don't worry. We'll we'll definitely have you you back. Um, So we typically like to podcast with the same question for each of our guests, which is, you know, from your own experience, right? So you're, you know, you're in the plant-focused, you know, the plant-focused cooking area, but even just as a a regular person, not even in with that cap on. what is exciting you the most about what you're witnessing going on in sort of the sustainability movement right now? I believe that it is the acceptance for people who are making what used to be alternative choices, uh, the acceptance and the more mainstream support of people who are not taking a the plastic bag at the grocery store or people who are choosing a plant-based lifestyle or the just what used to be really extreme and alternative and what used to make my parents think, oh my gosh, she's, how did I get the hippie child? <laughs> but now they're like, oh, well, my daughter has been plant-based for a really long time. Mm, and there like, you go. That's how I know times are changing because before they were like, how has God forsaken us with this <laughs> child that we don't know what happened to. And now they're proud of me being on the forefront of a lot of these issues way back when. And so uh, I hope it continues. I hope that we continue to celebrate people making sustainable, ethical, compassionate choices that are beyond what's good for us right now and thinking about the future generations to come. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, that, that was, that was amazing. Especially hearing, you know, but your parents turning their, um, you know, maybe embarrassment into the humble brag right now. I love it. I mean, it's, that's so good. And, you know, I also have always been kind of the, the weird hippie one um, in some instances. And so it is really exciting. I agree that the culture shift that's, that we see happening right now. And the, you know, the more that we can all show up and help people, as they're curious, the better, right? Like, you know, if if you feel like you're you're one of us and maybe you've been doing some of this stuff for a while, please show up and and really help people on that journey. Don't don't judge. Like, don't you're like, hey, I'm the OG. Like, nobody wants to hear mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Just help them out and answer their questions because you know what? If you can get somebody you know excited about one plant based meal and maybe they're just like hardcore you know, they just love like a good, you know, barbecue brisket or something like that. And you can, you show them, Hey, this is a really tasty plant-based meal there. I guarantee you, even if they don't go back and cook that meal themselves ever again, they're going to have that experience. They're going to know, Hey, like I can do this too. And so I, I think it's just so important. Um, well, Tony, I mean, like I said, we, we could literally do this. We, we will do this again um, oh, because I think we, we could just talk about it all the time. Um, but I just wanted to thank you, listeners. We're going to put um, the links to all the things we talked about um, in, in our show notes. Um, and, of course, you can find um, Tony across the across the Internet. Um, we'll, leave, we'll leave all those, those links for you as well. But thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Laura, for all the good work that you're doing. I love chatting with you. Thank you. And likewise. <laughs>
Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And as a special thank you to our listeners, use code GOODTOGETHER to get 10% off all products in Brightly's brand new shop full of planet positive swaps for your home. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social, where I know you can find us at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together, so have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.